Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. The following podcast is equivalent to a TVMA rating thanks to the author's strong and frequent use of adult language and graphic recollection of her sexual escapades. We strongly advise listening alone or with an extremely open-minded, politically incorrect companion, such as a gay bestie. Welcome to an all-new bonus episode of How Bitches Are Made. I am your host, Rachel Melvin. I want to start out this episode by thanking all my listeners. I know it's been a couple of weeks since our last one, and there are many very good reasons for why it's taken me so long. But the reason I want to thank you all, truly from the bottom of my heart, specifically two of my Instagram followers, Collector J and Krista, I hope you don't mind me calling you out, for giving me feedback about the podcast and letting me know that you really need these episodes or that you really look forward to hearing them. The last two weeks have been specifically pretty hard on me. And as much as I realize it when I'm doing these episodes, I tend to forget it after I kind of put them out into the ether. I forget about how helpful they are to me. So when I'm thanking you, it's not just for holding me accountable so that I can provide you all with content. It's also for keeping me focused on doing something that time and time again has proven to be very, very helpful and cathartic for me personally on a selfish scale. But let's go ahead and get into this week's story, piece, topic, and then we can come back and talk about everything more in depth. And hopefully this will hit you at just the right time. I really believe that everything happens for a reason. So maybe there's a specific reason, at least for just one single person out there that this episode was a little bit delayed. All right, here we go. And we'll come right back to talk about it. It's my personal belief that 90% of the world's problems stem from miscommunication. And if I'm wrong about that statistic, then I'm at least right about the fact that it's 90% of mine. From the beginning of this bonus series, I've hinted at a major problem my significant other and I are in the midst of facing. A problem that could have been avoided from the very start, had the quote-unquote authority behind it, known how to communicate better. If they had, the situation as it stands today certainly would be too. In fact, it likely never would have transpired in the first place, which is precisely my point. A misunderstanding turned into an argument between spouses, a misreading relaying false information to the masses, an inference that was never truly implied that offends us, a misinterpretation taken personally that results in violence. 
All of these all-too-common instances stemming from sheer miscommunication. How many marriages might have survived? How many lives might have been saved? How much division avoided? How much road rage? It's interesting to think how a species as developed as humans can fail so miserably at something most animals and insects have mastered, and in silence, no less. Yet, it's understandable once you consider all the complications of language in general. There's just languages, dialects, accents, emphasis, sense of humor, subtext, context, tone. There's a ton of room for error. And that's just an actual speech, never mind emails and texts or body language. So knowing this, shouldn't we be extra vigilant in making sure we're absolutely clear on something? Shouldn't we be extra patient, understanding, and emotionally neutral? I suppose a lot of people are wounded, hence impulsive, reactive, defensive, and lack the self-awareness enough to always stop and consider this. Some are arrogant, narcissistic, or selfish to where they don't want to stop and consider this. Some are afraid of asking clarifying questions for fear of coming off naive, stupid, or insulting of their superiors, which gets them into trouble later down the line. Others are too trusting, and their ignorance leads them astray. And a few of us are weary of expressing our concerns for being entirely misunderstood. Our emotions, politics, and identities complicate our fundamental way of working together as a society— could you imagine if ants were as complex? Instead of walking in a diligent straight line, they'd be chaotically spread out all over your countertop. So the next time you're about to gas them to death, you might want to thank them for setting a positive example first and making the cleanup easier. The point is, animals and insects could never survive if they didn't know how to communicate with each other. And though we don't consciously and collectively believe communication is vital to our survival, the damage currently being done in the world begs to differ. So much of the mess we're in could have been avoided altogether, if not in the very least abbreviated. Instead, our egos choose to elongate and worsen things by the day. We have become our own virus that if not careful, might just consume us into extinction. Okay, so that one ended a bit bleak, <laughs> but, but it is how I feel. Um, before we get too far into this, which we haven't gotten far at all, so before we just get into this at all, uh, I want to acknowledge a couple sounds that I was just battling with trying to record that piece. There is a very chatty crow outside as well as some kind of cicada. So you're going to hear them likely throughout this commentary. Here's why I have to record these in my art box, though. I tried recording these in my main house. And I've become superstitious about the content that comes out of the art box is way better than anything that comes out of the main house. So um, for those of you curious what it looks like on my end, it's about 90 degrees. I'm in a container that is painted black in a sports bra. So here we go. <laughs> it's a good thing I grew up in Phoenix. This actually isn't as terrible as it sounds, at least for me. Okay. So communication and miscommunication, I'm going to be talking about both of them as one. And it was really important for me to get this episode right because, 
of the nature of what we're talking about. It's effective communication. So I really, really want to take the time in this episode to think about what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, and be very articulate and be very mindful and thoughtful of the things that I'm saying. And I do apologize if my energy is a bit low, but I also feel like I want in celebration of being articulate and communicative. I want to be very vulnerable with you guys so that you know this is coming from a very authentic place. I am currently in a lot of emotional pain. I would not say emotional turmoil. My heart is not broken. I'm fine. Just the things that Kevin and I have been dealing with, they sort of come in waves like a roller coaster. And every time it comes up, it really just throws us off for an entire week. It's not emotionally abusive. I don't want to use that term because that is not what it is. But it almost feels that way because it feels like hell. Feels like we're in this tunnel. There is no light. There is no way out at times. And then, you know, the storm passes and things settle and we're fine. And then a couple weeks later, we're thrown back into the eye of the hurricane again. And it, it's taxing. It really does take its toll on you. And again, I, I can't really get into details for reasons of which I'm choosing to protect myself. I feel like saying too much is risky at this point because I don't know who listens to this podcast. So I don't want to incriminate myself in any way, shape or form until everything is done. However, I will say that it's just it's adult problems and they are very stressful things that encompass and threaten stability, finances, uh, self-worth and value. It's, it's just really testing us individually and at times as a couple, but mostly individually. And I think we can all agree that throwing the variable, the unforeseen variable of COVID into things has certainly exacerbated and magnified anything that we might ordinarily face. And a lot of us are just ill-equipped to know how to deal with it. And we're kind of figuring out how to do that as we go, which is one of the things that I reference in this piece. Sometimes we don't ask the questions that we need to ask because we're afraid of showing our naivety and then being taken advantage of or showing our cards and having them be played against us. And in this case, in our case, I would say there's a bit of both. And it's hard because how do you navigate your way out of something? There's consequences that might arise out of any path you choose. And those consequences could be worse than what you're going through. And then it just it makes you more afraid to make certain decisions because you don't want to make the wrong one, but you don't know how to find the right one because you can't ask the questions you need to ask. So when I say our our issue stems and, and originally stem from miscommunication, it did. We were given information about something we were trying to do the right way that was not accurate information and it was not the full information, and we paid for a service that was not rendered that would have provided the information we needed to not be in the mess that we're in now. And because of the way that all kind of unfolded, and it involved authority, so there's that pressure of not wanting to jeopardize the future of working with this person you know you're going to have to continue working with to where they can make things harder on you if they're insulted. You don't want to challenge them but you also have to do things a certain way because they're the one calling the shots. So almost, I guess, everything that I cited in that piece is sort of relevant to what we're going through. And 
This was something that happened right at the start of COVID and we kind of made an executive decision to just do something that we needed to do considering the condition of the world and what we were up against, what we were all up against as a collective species. Fast forward to a couple years later, the problem has come up again. The authority has reintroduced themselves and is now trying to um, punish us for not doing things the proper way, even though that was the person that prevented us from being able to do it the proper way. So it's just very, very messy and very, very stressful. And it's really, for us specifically, highlighted the value and importance of communication. Everything stems from communication. The situation that we're in in the world Even what just happened with the recent school shooting, and please hear me when I say this, I am not defending the shooter in any way, shape, or form. I am, however, emphasizing the value and importance of therapy, and more specifically, talk therapy, and getting help, and being more forthcoming with our emotions, and how we're feeling, and being more emotionally educated to know how to deal with what we're feeling and who to go to when we're feeling certain things for that help and assistance. Aside from a communication issue, we have an issue with mental health in our world. It's just fact. And I don't know how you can argue that it's not, especially when it's compounded by technology accelerating at the rate that it is. We're just our brains and us as a species are not designed to move that fast. We need time to adapt and learn and cope. And we've just been so conditioned to sweep things under the rug and keep moving and bury ourselves in relationships or work or find the next high or fix that makes us feel better instead of actually dealing with the fundamental problem. And part of that does feed into communication. Getting mental health is about communicating, communicating your needs, communicating what you're feeling, your thinking, why. I cannot stress to anybody how much getting the right therapist literally changed my entire life. I will be vulnerable and very communicative. When I was in eighth grade, I moved to Texas and I was having conversations with my mom about hanging myself. Because I was that depressed and I wanted to end my life. I did not see a reason to continue living. I think a lot of people that battle with feelings of depression or thoughts of suicide, this is not like a one and done thing. It is something that pops up time to time. When you're feeling completely lost and hopeless and you have no direction and you don't feel like there's anyone you can go to for help or you don't know where to go to for help, that's where your mind goes. Because that's an easy solution. Like that's a solution that you can think of. And so that is something that I'm telling you because that is something that comes up for me from time to time. Not very often, but it does. And ever since going to therapy, when I get into that state of mind now, I at least have the awareness and she supplied me with the tools enough to recognize, okay, this is what's happening. I'm spiraling. These are the reasons I'm spiraling. They don't have as much gravity as I'm assigning them. They're not bigger than me. This is what you need to do to feel better, to start generating endorphins, to kind of overcome and combat these feelings. Imagine if you don't have that outlet. Imagine if you don't have that resource. Imagine if you don't have those tools. This is part of the reason I'm doing this podcast 
Because when I was younger, a podcast like this, or not even a podcast, because let's be honest, they didn't exist when I was a youngin', any kind of resource or tool that I could have listened to, even just in private, that would have taken the shame out of acknowledging I had a problem, which there shouldn't be shame, which is part of the problem. But if you have a tool available to you that you don't even have to ask for, that you find on your own that's private, like it takes the shame out of it. And then you're more open and willing to get the help you need. I'm speaking to my younger self every time I do these episodes. And it started out speaking to women, but I realized this is not uniquely, I mean, it is in some ways. It's not mutually exclusive with the development and growth of a female. This is development and growth of being a human. And me communicating to people through this podcast is my way of feeling like I'm contributing to my species by communicating with them things that have helped me get better, get control of my life, and just have a happier, more fulfilling life in general and kind of combat these feelings that I've had ever since eighth grade. I guess to just address the end, which is kind of how I started all this about consuming us into extinction, that's sort of what I mean. Not just individually, but if, if we're not communicating with one another and we're not helping each other and we're not working effectively as a community, we're jeopardizing each other's health. And what starts on an individual scale just multiplies and extends out until it does become part of the masses if we're communicating effectively if we're taking on that burden and that responsibility and holding ourselves accountable then it just makes it easier for the next person and that's really what I want to emphasize which is why I started this episode by thanking those of you that held me accountable and were like where's the podcast this week you're right and thank you again for letting me know that I was making a difference because look we need to know that sometimes, like in the state of where I was at, I needed to know that. But a lot of times I would highly encourage people to just do it anyway with the confidence that you're making a difference. You don't necessarily have to see the proof, but sometimes you do. And for me this week, I did. So again, thank you. Okay, let's move on. Why else are we talking about this this week? So as I said, the last two or three weeks, this theme of communication or miscommunication has really come up for me, not just in the way of what Kevin and I are battling on, you know, the grand issue, but in other little ways. I noticed that people in general, for the reasons I cited, there's different contexts, tones, dialects, accents, sense of humor, all these things, right? People infer things, they assume things, and by doing so, they create their own false realities, so in other words, someone can say something and we can hear it a certain way. And the way we hear it is not necessarily maybe how that person who said it meant it. And what happens then is what we take away from what they said, we then kind of everything factors into that and we create our own reality that may or may not actually be true. So we're building up our reality around something that actually isn't fact and it can affect our disposition, our mood, and then everything that happens to us then is affected by that as well. The energy then that we carry out bleeds onto someone else. It's again this domino effect. It's why it's so important for us to be in control of our own ships, so to speak. An example of this having happened to me recently in the last couple of weeks, I started taking this dance class. Apparently, and appropriately so, I have resting bitch face. I had no idea. I started taking pole classes, gosh, back in like mm, 2006 or seven or something like that. 
And I've been dancing for a really long time, but I I danced with this company called S Factor. And you basically danced pretty much in the dark. There was like the glow of a red light and there were no mirrors because the point of the class was about female empowerment, self-acceptance, embracing your femininity. It wasn't like get a hot workout body and like, you know, fuck a stripper pole. It was about a movement and feeling like you had a way to express yourself through what they called a moving meditation. Point being, I never dance in front of mirrors. So this new class has mirrors. And I've noticed that the teacher, when she talks to me, there's like this weird tension. And I didn't understand it. And one day she said to me, she like checked in with me. She goes, how, how do you feel about that? How are you feeling about that? Like, I don't, I don't know how you took that. Are you okay? And I looked at her and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just like, I'm in my meditative zone state. Like, I'm, I'm kind of just like here. I'm coasting. She's like, oh, okay, because I couldn't tell from the look on your face. And then I looked in the mirror that was in front of me and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess my face looks a bit like I have some discontentment, which is so funny. So I looked at her and I said, y- you know what? Just don't, I don't know what my face is doing. Just don't read into it. Don't pay attention. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. That was an example of a very effective communication between two individuals because she didn't know what I was feeling and rather that assume maybe this girl thinks that I'm a fucking idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about and she's not enjoying my class. She could have had this whole diatribe narrative in her head and gotten defensive and then started to treat me different. Or when she leaves class, she starts to feel insecure and then it starts to affect her teaching like these things can happen. Right. But instead, she checked in with me and then very clearly I was like, oh, no, I don't I don't have a problem at all. And then I looked in the mirror and saw my face and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Let me remind you not to read into my face because I literally don't know what it's doing. So often we think we're that important that we're dictating or influencing somebody's facial expression or body language or disposition or or state of being. And most of the time, it has nothing to do with us. Another example would be the other day. This is such a funny story. And so many of us can relate to this. Road rage. (laughs) So much of road rage is built on fucking inference and assumption. And it half the time has nothing to do with us. And we take it so fucking personally. And then we make choices that literally put other people's safety at risk. And we don't even think about that because we're only thinking about ourselves. There's a line you have to straddle of being selfless and selfish to where you can be self-aware but also not too self-aware to where you're not considering other people but you don't want to consider other people too much to where you're not considering yourself so it's a fine line it's a nice balance that we have to find anyhow I'm driving to dance class the other day and I had a green light there was someone facing me that was going to be turning left in front of me and I stop in the middle of the intersection because I, I hear a siren and I look left and I look right And I have to tell you that as I said that, I looked in the opposite directions. I said I looked left and I looked right. Anyway, I looked both ways and I didn't see anything. And while I'm looking, the guy in front of me turns left. The guy behind me gets angry and like goes around me really quickly. And I'm thinking, what the fuck did I hear? 
And I pull over and I rewind the song I was listening to. Rewind. Oh my God, this isn't the 80s. I skim back on the track (laughs) to hear the song. I was like, maybe the siren I heard was in the song. And it was. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what those people must have thought of me. They must have thought I was some stupid woman driver who didn't know what she was doing, who was causing accidents, which it's, by the way, very true. I could have caused an accident. But it was in response to something I heard that turned up not to actually be what I thought I heard. And these kind of things, these kind of maneuvers and interpretations and misunderstandings happen on the road all the time. What would have happened, though, if that guy flipped me off and I just happened to be having a bad day and I got mad and so I just started riding his ass and cut in front of him? This shit happens all the time. And for what? Because I heard a siren and a song. So we have to, when we're on the road and our blood is boiling and we feel like someone has taken something from us or offended us or done something, we really do need to take that moment to check in and have a little patience and understanding and be like, hey, is this that moment where maybe I'm giving this way more credit that is actually warranted and in doing so, am I contributing to a worse environment for the people around me? This is something, understandably, growing up in Los Angeles that I dealt with a lot. And in fact, I had a boyfriend who was actually my first kiss. Um, But I had a boyfriend that was on again, off again from like 14 to 24 or 25 or something that was driving with me and he would get really nervous in the car with me. He was Mormon, so he was very pure. (laughs) And I was a bit much for him at times, but... He said he would get very scared in the car with me. And it was because I had this rage when people did things. And mine was really ridiculous. It was when I let people into a lane, I'd get really upset if they didn't wave thank you. And what I realize now sometimes when I'm driving is I'm trying to navigate my way through boatloads of traffic. And I'm, I'm so focused on looking in the rearview mirror and, and seeing where the cars are and putting my blinker on and getting over quickly that I... I forget to put my hand up and thank people. Sometimes I can't. I need both hands on the wheel. And so now I realize, well, even though someone didn't thank me, that doesn't mean the sentiment wasn't there. It doesn't mean they're a horrible fucking person and they should be condemned to hell. It doesn't. But back then, I certainly felt that it did. (laughs) And I'd get so mad because I felt like people were taking advantage of me and taking something from me. Well, that was more of a commentary on what was going on with me in my life in general. It had nothing to do with traffic. It just hit on this exposed nerve I had that I wasn't talking to someone about. I wasn't working through. And finally, this boyfriend of mine said, listen, you shouldn't be letting people in because you need a thank you. You should be letting people in because it's what you want to do to make their lives a little bit easier. You know, at first I thought he was a fucking idiot, but then I realized once my anger wore off that he was not. He was brilliant. He was totally right. And over time, after practicing that, I really did let go of that. And I started letting people in to the point where I didn't even look for a wave anymore. It really didn't affect me point is this happens on the road it happens every day in the most minuscule of ways and the most impactful of ways and I say road rage likely being the number one because as my my grandpa used to say a car is like a loaded weapon it really is and it really can be we so many times forget how powerful we are behind the car we're not just responsible for our lives and the people in our vehicles we share a level of responsibility for the cars and lives and the next one over 
And sometimes we know this and it goes to our head and it fuels the fire that we have when we're angry. And that's especially when we need to remind ourselves that a car is powerful. It doesn't mean that we're invincible. It means that we're in a position, we're actually in a very vulnerable position and a lot can go wrong if we're not careful and if we're not checking in. There's a lot of different ways that we communicate, as I've brushed upon a couple times already, in general language. And here's what I find so fascinating. And it's very strange. It's almost sometimes I feel like we communicate better when we speak different languages. Because we're, we're going into a scenario with the understanding and the patience for the fact that there's a challenge between us that we have to overcome and work our way through. Someone speaking French to me, granted I know a little bit of French, I'm not going to know what the hell they're saying. And if they don't speak English, they're not going to know what the hell I'm saying. And we both understand that. So we have more natural patience for trying to understand what the other person is saying. A lot of times, I realize that some people are not this way in the States, but let's pretend we're, we're abroad and we're, we're traveling and we're, we're making an effort to learn someone's language or speak someone's language. We tend to appreciate that effort and we tend to have more patience for it and more understanding that there's room for error. So sometimes we might misconstrue something or misinterpret something. And you know what we do? We fucking laugh about it. Why don't we do that here with people that speak the same language? We need to have that same patience and forgiveness and understanding. Even if someone is outright a blatant fucking dick to you. It's a lot easier said than done, believe me. I know you guys. I'm an Irish Italian. I am full of fucking piss and vinegar and anger. And I'm an Aries rising. I am fire. I am all about fighting and being a warrior. So this is very rich coming for me. But I've worked on it. And I've worked on it successfully in certain areas. So I know it can be done. But in those moments when someone is being a complete irrational psycho asshole to us, don't engage. Just don't engage. Feel the pity. Call on the patience. Realize that what they're reacting to and giving to you likely has nothing to do with you. You're just the punching bag or scapegoat. That they're getting it out on. Think back to my oven episode. That poor woman on Whirlpool that I was unloading on. I feel terrible about that. She didn't deserve it. She just happened to be the person that I unloaded on. And to her credit, She didn't lose her cool. She kept her composure. Granted, she was getting paid for it. But I like to think if she wasn't, she would have been the same way. That's how we need to be. And we need to thank those people when they serve as that, especially when we know that we're in the wrong. And we need to acknowledge when we're in the wrong. There is nothing wrong with admitting we made mistakes. Here's that annoying bug I told you about but you know what I'm not gonna let him upset me I'm gonna press on and take a breath and realize he's communicating with other annoying bugs because they're trying to live their life and do something okay has nothing to do with me they don't know I'm recording a podcast along the lines of having the patience and understanding when someone is of a different nationality or they have a different they speak a different language for instance I think we also have natural patience for children and older people we give certain groups or entities way more leeway than the average person we bump shoulders with every day and that's beautiful but I'm simply asking we try to be a little more 
aware and less hard on the everyday people we bump shoulders with and treat them more like these other people that we're supplying more patience and understanding towards because they deserve it. And if they're coming at you with fire, they might just fucking need it a lot more too. Look, a lot of times we feel like our cup is empty and we don't really have that much to give. And to quote one of my favorite role models, actually, I'm not going to quote her. I don't know what was actually said, but my dad told me, Taylor Swift, we all know I love her. She's a person that is obviously in the spotlight every day, every single day. And she has said, at least according to my dad, that on the days that she's not feeling 100% full or positive or happy, she stays in. Because she knows that it's just that one moment the paparazzi will capture, that one exchange with a fan that won't be perfect, that could destroy her reputation forever. And yes, we're we're not living on the same plane or scale as Taylor Swift. But I do think that there is something we can take away from that example for ourselves that alleviates feeling shame or humiliation after the fact when we feel bad about something. And I also want you to reflect on if you never feel shame or humiliation for the way you've acted. That's a problem because nobody is perfect. And I know for a fact there's nobody in life, even Mother Teresa herself, that conducts themselves 100% perfectly all the time, that is constantly positive, that doesn't make a mistake, that doesn't miscommunicate, that doesn't infer something that isn't the truth. So let's just be more gentle with everyone else and also ourselves. We need to be more patient with ourselves and more forgiving. We all have room for error. It is a lot to learn and it is a lot to take away. So to be asking clarifying questions or follow-up questions should not be embarrassing or shameful at all. Those are tough, uncomfortable conversations we need to have. Just like racism. Let's talk about that. I talk openly with my friends about things all the time. And I don't feel shame. I preface it by saying, I'm sorry if I'm going to sound ignorant or stupid. But if I don't ask these questions, I'm risking being more ignorant and stupid. So please, as someone who's had a different experience than, than I have, I want to ask you these questions so that I have the information I need straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Because there's a lot of times too, right, where we get information about something from someone that it isn't surrounding. Uh, An example of this would be like a miscommunication within family members. Oh, well, mom said this and she believes this and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, did mom say this? Like, just fucking ask your mom. Just go straight to your mom and ask. And yes, sometimes it will be uncomfortable and unpleasant, but I promise you it will be worse if we're playing a game of telephone and we're not going straight to the source. You need to hear it straight from the horse's mouth to know exactly what we're dealing with, to get the facts, to have all the facts. So much of what's going on in the world right now is literally problematic because that is what is not happening. We're getting our information from social media. A lot of times we're getting it from social media that's like a joke and we don't realize it's a joke or we think it's actually happening, but really it's a reenactment. There's so much room for misinterpretation, which creates room for misinformation, which then creates more division. We need to be having these conversations with people. I've said this so much. I'm going to talk about politics really quick. I don't want to, but you have a Republican, you have a Democrat. One of them or both of them decide that they're not going to be friends with the other one because they are from an opposing party. Or we're going to be friends, but we're not going to talk about politics. Well, how is that serving anyone? 
You need to talk to people with differing opinions so that you get all the information. You can't be like, well, the Democratic or Republican Party thinks this because that's what the media has been telling me. And that's that's what my party thinks and blah, blah, blah. What does your friend who is from the opposing party think? Why do they think that? Why are we not having those conversations? Because they're unpleasant. Because we're worried about it creating division. Well, guess what? Not having those conversations is already creating division. And when that happens, it's easier for us to be controlled. And I go back to the way I ended the piece again. It could lead to our extinction. It's a virus that spreads. We're all cells and we need to talk to each other. We need to have all the facts to know how to form, to know how to work, to know how to work in our best interest, to come back from this, to heal what's broken or impaired. We have to fucking talk to each other, especially when it's uncomfortable and especially when we disagree. And when we have these conversations, we have to come at them with the patience that we have with a child. And I'm not saying be condescending like you're talking down to somebody with differing opinions. You have to come in with that patience, with that understanding, with that curiosity, with your defenses lowered. That's how we have to be having these communications. And we have to do it with the understanding that we're doing it for the greater good. Not to be right, not for the other person to admit we're right and they're wrong. No, we got to take the fucking ego out. Otherwise, it's going to kill us. Truly. Another thing that I wanted to to talk about was there was an episode where I talked about the farmer and this experience that I had at a camp. And I'm not sure that I really talked about this specific instance at the camp, which I found to be so beautiful, cathartic and informative for me. There was a night they called it Silent Night where we all dressed up in white, little culty, but that's fine. And we were walking through the forest by ourselves for an hour of solitude. And then we were summoned to dinner with like a bell and we had silent dinner and we all filed in. And for about an hour, we just sat and ate in silence. Now, of course, there was a camp counselor that was kind of walking us through the process in other words they were giving us prompts of things to do during this period of silence and one of them was you know look up at the person sitting across from you and just stare into each other's eyes and that was one of my favorite parts of camp because I felt like I got to know the girl across from me without ever exchanging a word with her it was the craziest thing the point is we're capable of being there for one another of seeing each other and understanding each other just by making eye contact and not even saying anything. That's how powerful silence and body language and human connection can be. Literally, the girl and I just started crying. And I know for me and the vibe I got from her was it's because we felt seen. And I think a lot of times humans are so advanced intellectually that we forget we're any other animal living on this planet. We are. There is a level of instinct that we forget we have naturally. One of which is, even if someone's not saying something to you, you can read their energy. It's this silent way of communicating that we have that's similar to dogs or insects. There's some form of communication that they have that we don't understand. But we also have that. We're just not actively practicing it or implementing it if we're even conscious of it so if we're able to connect with our dogs for instance which this is so beautiful someone said this to me one time when my dog Murphy was on his way to passing I didn't know when the right time would be and she said the same way he lets you know he needs to go out or he's hungry or he wants to go play ball he will let you know it's time when he's ready and you will know Because you guys have formed that way of communicating, naturally. 
And I just thought about that and I was like, it's really true. Granted, you know, my dog can bark and scratch to go out and pick up a ball when he wants to go play and those are very obvious signs. I do still know. I know when he's tired. I know when he's not feeling well because instinctively we have this bond. We have this understanding and connection. And similarly, he knows when I'm upset and he knows what to do when I'm upset. We have that capability with other humans. We're just not practicing it. We're so buried in our phones and so preoccupied with being right and being warriors and fighting for a cause we're not necessarily completely immersed in or tied to that we're literally failing ourselves and everyone else in the process of thinking we're trying to save things we're effectively not doing that at all we're making it worse We're not really connecting with each other. We're connecting on social media with people that half the time, we all know this. We would never say the things that we say in text to people we don't know online to their face. We just want it. And it kills me. We literally just forget that there are other people on the other side of that computer. Sometimes they're not, I suppose. It's bots or computers or whatever. But like maybe that's what we assume so much that we actually fail to see that there are humans and the things that we do say to them do hurt and they do have consequences that we might know about. That's the whole concept of online bullying. It causes people to commit suicide sometimes. How do we not realize that to be more mindful about it? Another thing that I just wanted to bring to your attention is that people, in case you haven't already got the gist of it, they process and relay things differently. Kevin and I have two totally different brains, which is great because what area I don't have covered, he does. What things I don't see, he does and vice versa. But then in times like in our relationship, like so many of us, most relationships have their problems that stem from miscommunication. And most of the time when he and I fight, it's for that same reason. It's because he's hearing or seeing things one way that I'm totally oblivious to and vice versa. And I'm hearing and seeing it the other way that he's totally oblivious to. This is the root of so many relationship problems. And a lot of times going to counseling, which a lot of people scoff at or look down on or are ashamed of, can be really, really helpful because it's a objective third party that can watch things from the outside that we're missing. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. And relay them to us. Hey, this is, this is what I'm seeing and hearing as an impartial third person. And then you're like, oh, wow. So I wanted to share this with you guys because I bought this book called The Crystal Zodiac because I started to get into crystals. And two days after Kevin and I had a big argument where I said he was too emotional and he said that I was condescending, I found this. (laughs) It's about our Mercury. So if you're familiar with astrology, Mercury is the planet that rules the way you communicate. Okay, so let me look up. Um, Ours just happened to be in our actual sun signs, which is not the case for everybody. I read this and I died laughing. Mercury and Pisces, which is Kevin. 
Skirting an issue only delays the inevitable. Be upfront in the beginning to avoid complications down the line. Your thoughts and communication are governed more by feeling and intuition than by logic. An emotional dreamer, you swim in a realm of endless possibilities, making it hard to pin you down to any one belief. Shying away from cold facts and specific details, your indirect manner and nebulous methods can seem disorganized, but what you lack in precision you make up for with imagination. Placing fluorite, a stone of clarity, and balance in your workspace can improve concentration and enhance divisiveness. So my Mercury is in Aquarius. Share your wisdom without being patronizing. Your insights are best received when others feel like they can relate to you. This placement bestows a mental prowess that is hard to match. You process information quicker than most and combine logic and intuition to find ingenious solutions to complex problems. Though your thought patterns may confound most people, your unorthodox methods produce results. Overconfidence may lead to a sense of superiority if left unchecked. Wearing angelite, a stone of compassion and wholeness, can encourage greater understanding and forgiveness in communication. So we read this two days after our fight and it totally took the steam out of the argument because I was like, okay, I see your point, Kevin. A third party is basically supporting what you're experiencing and I I hear you and I'm not as offended because it's coming again from an impartial third party and same for Kevin. So both of us were feeling validated in the way we were feeling about the other person while simultaneously getting outside objective opinions or insight that supported the person coming at us in their argument. So it kind of made us feel less defensive because we knew it wasn't coming from an emotional or personal place. Yes, it's a book about astrology. For us, it happened to be very, very true. If um, any of this appeals to you, again, this book is called The Crystal Zodiac. It's an astrological guide to enhancing your life with crystals. It's by Katie Huang. H-U-A-N-G, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. You can get it on Amazon. It's awesome. I love it so far. Having a way of getting an impartial outside party can be really, really, really helpful for taking the steam out of arguments and also for the miscommunication or the defensiveness. So I don't know why our culture, climate, society is so ashamed of getting help when it comes to mental and emotional health. It's like any other organ that we'd have checked up. I would argue it's more important because the brain is so powerful and passion is so powerful. These are the most powerful things that often dictate how we move about the world. And so we should give them that level of credit and not try to dismiss them or undermine them or downplay them. Another story that I wanted to share with you guys was this party that Kevin and I went to recently, or I guess it was like a luncheon gathering a neighbor had. This woman started to talk to me about the art that she does. And she was saying, you know, well, it's so interesting, us being artists, because the way we deal with what's going on in the world is through our art. It's how we process and make sense of things. And I just started reflecting about even just doing this bonus series, I was so fired up and I was so angry. And if you remember me saying, oh, yeah, the bitch is going to come out and here we are. And then that didn't happen. Well, it's because for me, writing is my way of processing. So I'll come in with a lot of fire and angst and anger and passion and emotion and I'll sit down and I'll start writing and it's through that writing process I get calm and I find clarity and I make sense of the situation 
And then by the end of it, I've processed. I understand. We all do that through different outlets. And if we don't, we need to start. We need to find our way of processing everything that's going on in the world. There is a lot. There is a lot for all of us to be dealing with in the world outside of our own private worlds. We can all agree on that. It's too much. And for that matter, consider also like therapists are probably very overwhelmed right now. My therapist loved her to death. She specialized in trauma work, got to the point where she said to me, you know, it's affecting me. I'm carrying the energy from my work into my everyday. I need a break. Great. Way to have boundaries. Way to implement boundaries and show me how to put them into practice since that's what you just got done teaching me how to do. I love that she walked the walk and I love that she talks the talk. She's amazing. It does take time to find the right entity that will help you through things. And so if you're thinking about it and you're nervous about it or reluctant, like my mom, (laughs) please understand that it's A, because of how society has conditioned you to feel about it. B, because you're afraid of what you might experience or find or feel through the process. I, again, remind you that coming out the other side is so worth it. It's so rewarding. And three, please know that it's it's a process to find the right person. And please, please, please don't be discouraged during that process to where you give up looking because that is what happens for a lot of people. There's a lot of different kinds of therapists for different things. And it's going to take you a minute to find what works for you. For me, what really worked is talk therapy, which is essentially what I'm doing here without a therapist. I'm just using you guys. So thank you for being willing for me to use you. And also, I hope you're using me in return. But just don't be discouraged by the process and hang in there. It is totally worth it, not just for yourself, but again, because we're contributing to the greater good that is our species. All of this is to say also the way we interpret things, we have to understand that people interpret things differently also. So for one thing I love to use as an example, speaking of my art, is acting. Whenever I get an audition, it's so frustrating for me because there's so many different ways to interpret a scene. There's so many ways to interpret different lines. And especially now when you're not going into a room, there is no form of communication to get clarity or direction. None. It's basically, eh, I'm going to throw a dart and hope I hit a bullseye. Or hope that whoever's casting this, even if I'm making the wrong choice, recognizes that I'm right for the part enough and I'm a good enough actor to where I can be directed to do the right choice. There's just, there's so much room for problems when you can't communicate. And to even just take away the opportunity to communicate is not good. We, we really need to implement more opportunities to effectively communicate. We have to understand, too, that amongst this communication, people take different things away from different things. So going back to a few things I've said already, Kevin and I play Boggle. We never find the same words. Never. I don't know why. We've decided that's going to be great when we're playing, you know, a Boggle tournament and we're on the same team. We never find the same words because our brains are wired so differently. I can't explain to you if it's just because maybe he uses words that I don't more regularly to see them when they're there. I don't know. I just know that our brains are different. And so we see different things. We understand things differently. Another instance is our friend was having us read something that said, you need a a building permit. And I said, is that a building permit for the verb or the noun? And Kevin said, what do you mean? And I said, well, do they need a, a permit to actually be doing the physical action of building? Or does the building, the noun itself, not have a permit that's needed? How do you interpret what a building permit is? 
That's just an example of the English language being mired with mess of confusion. We have a friend from Latvia who constantly says, he's like, oh, the English language is so hard because there's so many different ways to interpret so many different words and so many words of multiple meanings. And of course, he's Latvian. So when he says the wrong thing, we laugh and we're like, oh, you mean this. But when Kevin says the wrong thing, I'm like, what are you, a fucking idiot? Come on. <laughs> I don't talk to him that way. But you you get the point of why I make that joke is we don't give other people like us as much leeway and credit. And I do think that that's part of the problem. We just need to recognize that people are different. And half the time, what they're saying or doing is not a commentary on their level of intelligence or experience. It's not a commentary on their level of comprehension or an ability. It's just we think different. So now let's talk about how we correct miscommunications and how we do get people to communicate. To kind of go back to the issue that Kevin and I have been dealing with, you know, we went in and had a conversation with all the entities involved and we walked away feeling better just in the fact that, okay, now everyone is communicating with each other. This problem started because of miscommunication, it came back because of miscommunication, and it's still going because of miscommunication. Now at least we're all on the same page because what was very frustrating is we couldn't get everybody to communicate and we knew that that was the issue. And these people that weren't communicating with each other literally have no idea, no foresight or no awareness to see how what they're doing is affecting our lives. And not just like, oh, it's making our lives a little difficult. It's literally affecting our lives in every way, shape or form. It's affecting our wedding financially and otherwise. It's affecting projects we're trying to move forward on. It's affecting our relationship because we can't be in a relationship because we're just working all the time. And I think if people really knew, which is why it's important to communicate this, if people really knew how their actions were affecting you on that level, you know, the assholes won't give a fuck. But there really aren't that many assholes in the world. There really aren't. There's just gruff, angry people. At the heart of it, which we've talked about before, people are pretty much decent and good they don't want to feel like they're ruining your life they don't so communicate that with them not in a way to guilt them but for them to understand how they're not just making it difficult they're actually affecting your life in all these other ways where their actions are carrying over they need to know that that's part of holding other people accountable again not in a way where you're scolding them but just making them aware because when people are aware of those things they think about things a little bit deeper they're not like, oh, I'm just doing my job. They're like, oh, that's right. I am a human with a job. I'm doing my job, but there is a level of humanity that I, I should also implement. Yeah, there is. So laugh at this if you wish to. But one of the things that I have found that works for me outside of talk therapy is astrology. Specifically, this book by Chani Nicholas called Born This Way. And it's about radical acceptance of who you are based on your birth chart and your astrological makeup. Reading this book has helped me truly understand how to communicate more effectively with my family. It really started to help me to understand how to appeal to and deal with my parents. So my mom and I started getting into an argument and I was like, okay, her moon's in Aries, my rising's in Aries, we're both warriors, we both like to fight, this could get ugly. And so I just said to her in the middle of the argument, I said, how does it feel to fight with yourself? 
And she started laughing and it took the steam out of the argument and the argument just kind of dropped because I was like, this is stupid. This is a dumb argument we don't need to be having. It's not going to do anything for either one of us. Also, I know my mom's birth chart and she's a she's a Taurus with a Gemini rising Aries moon. And I know that she has to be right. She has to be right. That is a thing for her. And I believe her Mercury, wherever it lies, I actually took a picture of all my family's Mercuries and sent it to them. And they laughed because it's so true for all of us and how we communicate. And we often joke within each other who speaks Joyce the best, who speaks Bob the best, who speaks Jessica or Rachel the best. And, you know, my mom and I probably understand each other the most, but I don't live up there. So a lot of the times my mom feels the way I often felt growing up, which was that I was the odd man out. No one understood me. No one thought or felt like me. I was this eccentric artist type with these kind of rebellious ideas that defied traditionalism. And they were all very like stereotypical scheduled routine people. So it's been challenging, but it's also been really fun to kind of learn learn them. And I think that's the point is where we can step outside of our ego enough to come at other people with curiosity to understand where they're coming from and how they communicate it's really entertaining and it's really fascinating and it just again just cultivates a better air of community and unity and helping us progress as a species as opposed to regress we also as I've said before need to just check our ego out the door we got to get rid of that ego it doesn't serve us it just doesn't I don't even know why we have it I mean There are times I share, wait, literally, I just sent my lawyer a text message today because he sent me something about Taylor Swift. And I I responded to him, shut your face in all caps. And then I said, I'm losing my shit and it's not for my morning coffee. I want you guys to know I've met my lawyer one time in person. (laughs) This is how I talk to people. I have no shame. I don't give a shit about ego. That's something I've worked really hard on losing, especially since the pandemic. I think a lot of us probably have just because of the nature of how it shaped our lives and what it forced us to really reflect on and think about. I would continue to condition yourself with abandoning your ego. You know, sometimes it serves you, but let's let's focus on how it actually gets in our way sometimes more often than not. And then I think there's this theme that I just recited about the astrology, which is radical acceptance. Like, look, there are things about ourselves that we don't want to confront. We hope no one sees. We hope no one notices or knows about because we're ashamed about those parts of ourselves. We don't like them. We're not proud of them. But who cares? Who cares? We all have shitty things about ourselves we need to work on. We all fuck up. We all make mistakes. We're all losers. We're all winners. No one is perfect. No one. And pretending we're perfect is kind of the worst. In my opinion, it is the worst. Just be out there with yourself with the understanding that, you know, you don't know everything. You're not perfect. You're willing to learn. You're open to being educated and bettering yourself. And you're open to helping other people do the same. None of us have all the answers. We don't. And that's okay, but we need to radically accept that there are ugly parts of ourselves that are still parts of ourselves. We're working on them, but they are still serving a purpose, as ugly as they are. They're serving a purpose, so they're important. So to some effect, we should be grateful for them. We don't have to be proud of them, but we can be grateful for them as opposed to just ashamed of them. And it's okay if people notice them, and it's okay if we admit them. It's okay if they're out in the open, because here's the deal. People are noticing them always. We're just not talking about it. And I think acknowledging it 
acknowledging the elephant in the room or calling out the green monster that's standing in the closet. I just made that up. I don't know if that's a thing. Anyway, it really does take the air out of the tires. It takes the steam out of the pressure cooker. It's kind of like in Pitch Perfect when the character of Fat Amy said, yeah, I call myself fat so you bitches can't do it behind my back. We can use it to empower us and, you know, take the power away from other people. Like we already know about what about us is not attractive and we're working on it. So what else you got? I think it's really important to do that. And then the one thing that I really, really wanted to emphasize is if you really are having a hard time understanding why someone's coming at you, what they're trying to say as they're coming at you, what they need, what you can do for them, really pay attention to how people communicate with you. I will use myself as an example. I give people words of affirmation all the time. I give people credit where credit is due all the time because these are things that I need that I don't feel I get. People will always do what they need. That is your biggest tell. If people are constantly praising themselves, it's because no one else is doing it for them. And it can be really frustrating because we're like, we don't want to add to their already inflated ego. They clearly think they're great. Why do I need to add to it? Because it's false confidence. They're not hearing it enough or they feel really insecure. So how can we make those people feel more secure? And again, this doesn't have to be your focus every single day of the week. Your focus should be on bettering yourself because again, that domino effect. But in moments, think about people. And I would tell you universally, I think, I say this with confidence, what everyone needs most is to be seen and to be heard and to be validated. But you can validate them by seeing them and hearing them. And what that looks like is when people are talking to you, you're really listening. You're not looking at your phone. Your eyes aren't darting around for who else is in the restaurant with you. You're not chiming in with your own experience. You're actually listening and hearing what they're saying as well as what they're not saying. Because what they're not saying is almost more important. A lot of people are too afraid to be vulnerable. So we have to find the vulnerability in what they're not saying to speak to it so that they actually feel seen and heard. And going back to my silent night at the camp. Look in people in their eyes. There is so much power in just holding someone's gaze. Even if you don't say anything, as my experience illustrated, it is very powerful. People just need to feel seen. They need to feel like people are looking at them. They need to feel valued. They need to feel purposeful. We all need these things, right? As you're driving or listening to this, I hope you're nodding your head going, yes, yes, that's what I need. That's what I need in my life. Yes. So put that out there as a way to communicate that that's what you need, but also as a way to give it to other people. Because again, the domino effect will most likely bring it back to you. It's really easy when we're mad to go after somebody, but we often forget to be complimentary and positive and kind when people show us positivity and kind in return. Uh, yesterday I was at Home Depot and everybody kept cutting me. I felt really invisible and this one guy acknowledged me and asked me if I'd like to go in front of him and I turned to him and I said, thank you very much. I've had a very hard morning. You don't know how much that means to me. It is really important to communicate to people when they've done something positive that truly impacts us and makes a difference because that person may need that to fill their cup and replace what's been lost or taken from them. Something I always try to do is compliment people all the time. And you never know how far it can go. We run an Airbnb business, as most of you know. And when people don't communicate with us, it, it doesn't 
let me put it this way. When people communicate with us and they're very friendly and kind and receptive and complimentary, it gives us a lot more incentive to go above and beyond to making sure their experience is the best it can be than if they say nothing at all. So it behooves you to be very complimentary and lead with complimentary things or kind things before you complain. And it's something that I always laughed at that the industry does when like we were going in rooms and auditioning. The first thing that a great casting director would do is give you praise after a reading before then giving you the correction. So they build up your ego before they give you something you can work on. There's a reason they do that. And there's a reason they do that specifically in this industry where, you know, there's a lot of rejection and people are very vulnerable to make a living. So they're very kind and thoughtful. It, it might seem like, oh, my God, this is so much extra work and everybody is so sensitive in today's day and age. Yes, they are. I agree with you. Everyone's overly fucking sensitive. But you know what? This is a way we can indulge that because it does make a difference and it does help everybody. And also, don't be afraid to just fucking say what you need. Literally. Okay, I think that's all I have to say, which was quite a bit. Um, I really, truly hope that this episode of all of them specifically was helpful for you. I feel this is the most important one for, for me to be putting out there because just everything that's been going on in my life, I literally can draw back to miscommunication. And I just don't think life has to be this complicated, this difficult, this challenging. I think it's just... It's, it already is in general, but it's being made to feel more so because of all the miscommunication that's happening and heightening misunderstandings and creating division. It's just everyone is fucking angry right now. And we are so, I really believe, because we're not effectively communicating with one another. So do what you can. Do your part to try to be a better communicator. Find ways of learning how you communicate find ways of understanding how other people communicate and how you might be taking it personally and how going forward you can work harder to not do so as much. As I mentioned before, there's been a lot going on in my life. Uh, I, I can't get into detail, but it's literally all the most stressful things that can happen in an adult person's life at once within a very short amount of time. So uh, I thank you for your patience and understanding why these might not be coming out weekly. Uh, it might be bi-weekly. I am trying to do them as often as I can, but um, there are priorities that have to take precedence, unfortunately, that are far less creatively fulfilling for me. So um, thank you guys for giving me this outlet, for listening, for being fans, for supporting, for being receptive to the message that I'm relaying, messages that I'm relaying. And again, for holding me accountable. Uh, I hope you have a great week. I hope you're having a better week than you did the last few weeks, or at least better than the week I had. I believe that everyone had a very tough few weeks because of Mercury being in retrograde, which it still is. Uh, so hang in there. Do your best. Try to think positive. Try to offset the negative by expressing gratitude, writing things you're grateful for, getting out in nature more, and getting around people that make you feel good about yourself and support yourself and implementing self-care very 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 important consistency is key stay bitchy my friends and we'll see you next time how bitches are made is written and produced by rachel melvin 